0: Through the lens of loving local and seeing global, we obsessively search for people whose stories need to be told and how OKC played a supporting role. Hosted by Katherine Bexton and Emmy Coves, welcome to Action City. Emmy! Hi! I'm so happy we're sitting here. I know. I'm always happy we're sitting here. Sorry, I'm very congested. And my voice is so nasally. It's driving me nuts. But it's okay.
1: It's not driving me nuts, though. Oh, good. It's just,
0: it just, I, it I always like laugh when I think about, you know, cause we've had guests who are like, Oh, I hate the sound of my own voice or whatever. And, um, I remember in like sixth grade, I had a teacher tell me that teachers are teachers because they like the sound of their own voices. And I always thought that was sort of narcissistic. And now as a podcaster, <laughs> I realize I'm, this is probably the most narcissistic you can be about the sound of your own voice. Because not only do I like the sound of my own voice, but I feel like people should Hear it right? Yes. Well, of course. I know, so that's why we have
1: a podcast. <laughs> I love to hear myself talk. Right. You know what I especially love is a megaphone. Oh gosh! If I am given the opportunity to have a megaphone and speak into one in front of a crowd, I love it. Now I have nothing to say, <laughs> but I just like to have sort of that control with the this, megaphone. This and makes my sense as to why you're a field hockey coach. <laughs> yes, I love to. I love to scream. At, if I had a megaphone as my as a field hockey coach, I really should have done that.
0: I think you would have scared some. I think I would have scared some young children. Yes, for sure. Oh (laughs) my goodness. Well, okay. How was your week? What's been happening? Well, so I'm still cleansing. So I'll give a cleanse update. I've lost five pounds. (gasps) Very exciting. But how did you feel? Most importantly, how do you feel? Most importantly, other other than than the clogged up nose, yeah. Other than this, good. Um, honest, this week was easy. It was, yeah. It w- to be a real professional. Well, so the business. the first time I did her twenty one day cleanse, it was it was before I had Huffman. So three years ago, over three years ago. Wait, oh my gosh, four years ago. Because he'll be three, he'll be three in next April. month. Oh my gosh. Okay, wow. But um, you know, she didn't have her restaurant plant, so it was a little harder. You couldn't have so, easy access, right? To- so Saturday was such a fun day. Definitely my peak. We. Just had a fun morning with the kids. It was nice. We played outside, and also that's I think why I have so much congestion is this wind is insane. But then we went to Sizzle Tail Park, walked around. It was beautiful, and then we went to Plant for Dinner, and it was I've wonderful. never been to Plant for Dinner. It was great. I mean, we went at five, so that's, when you have kids, that's <laughs> what time you have dinner. <laughs> you know, but it was great. It was fun to just kind of walk around downtown and walk around Midtown. It would have been great to have a glass of wine, but that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. How but was Scissortail Park? Was it, was it busy? Um, was it packed? I get the feeling now. There was actually a funeral. In the park? hmm Mark Reffin's oh. funeral was happening. I know. Um, and so that was, that was... I didn't realize I know. That was a hmm And so you know that was...
1: What? I'm glad they had a space it was, to do that it was where everybody be- yeah. could come
0: together to... And there were... I mean, there were quite a... There I were quite a few people. Be, yeah. Um, which, you no, know, you know, they were... It seemed as safe as it could be, you know. Yep. It was outside. It was be I mean, yeah. what a what a great place to have a funeral. I know. Um, you know, but it was beautiful. There were so many people there though. I mean, it was like thriving and it was there's was tons of diversity. I don't know. I just like I like the way Oklahoma City looks. Yes. You know what I mean? Could you see the construction
1: they're doing south of the river to no. connect? Okay. Because mm-hmm. I know they're starting to work on that.
0: So but people were walking on the bridge, across the—is
1: mm-hmm. that what we call it—the the Scissor
0: Tail Bridge? Oh, or was it right? Oh, with those peak at the, with that uh-huh. little spire at the yeah. top. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so the
1: other part of the park, I think, is going to be south of there. We have right to go down there for a tour. Now let me ask you another question. Okay, yes. I've been talking about this all week. Everybody came into the store this week. Have you been to the Omni? Have you been to the Omni? Have you been to the Omni? Have you been to Bob's? Did it, it was this whole converse, this whole thing.
0: Everybody's okay. been to the Omni. I'll, you oh, want my me, thoughts? No, no. You tell me your thoughts. Let me give and I'll you your, my thoughts. Okay, so I think so. We love an Omni, but I think that you know, going to school in Fort Worth, living in Dallas, having gone to the one in Austin, I've been to Bob's like a bunch. I've only been there once in Dallas, once or twice in Dallas, I think. I, Bob's is a chain. Okay, let's it's let's keep this. A chain, yes. in, let's keep this in perspective, right? People yep. like. Bob's is a chain. It's 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 like going to a beautiful it's steakhouse, but like it's going just, to Ruth Chris or whatever. exactly, and and that's Maybe wonderful. It's just like I would rather go to Red Prime. Yes, and I'm. I'm. You know you what I mean. Me, I'm not a chain person. No, I'm if not. You not have two, I I know
1: Plant's can have two locations now. Is that gonna be a chain? No, no. That's a no. <laughs> that's no, a local. That restaurant. is a local
0: <laughs> restaurant. But no, I just. And Bob's signature thing is that stupid carrot. I I can't even tell you what we were talking about, about the carrot. I I mean, can I
1: say I can't say it on the podcast because we'll get some sort of explicit rating. But is it like a phallic thing? Uh Uh-huh. Everybody was calling it the...
0: Yes, yes, yes. Mm Yeah. Can I say it?
1: Can you bleep me out? Go for it. Dick pic. (laughs) Like, have you seen my dick pic? (laughs) Everybody was showing me their picture of their steak with their giant orange carrot on there. And then I couldn't even... I was dying laughing.
0: Well, and I don't like... Cooked carrots aren't my favorite, and I definitely don't like one that's like weirdly soggy. And I don't know. I heard it wasn't soggy. Here's the thing, hard. Oh my God. sorry, I take oh it, God. it all the back. Where is this podcast going? Oh no!
1: Holy cow! We've just
0: entered a whole <laughs> different. And Catherine took it there. Maybe
1: it's because I've been watching Offspring for the entire oh, weekend. Yeah. That's all I can That's think how
0: about. I felt after Bridgerton. <laughs> um, but well, okay.
1: Here's my thing about this whole Omni, and I'm so excited the Omni's here. Here's, that's that is I the love thing. Love that it's down there at Central Trail Park. But I mean, having lived in New York and San Francisco and Philadelphia. I wouldn't be caught dead in an Omni. But now I'm like, I got to get to the Omni.
0: <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And like, so I'm so excited they're here. I don't The Omni spa, what's it called? It starts with an M. Mon. mon. There's a spa at that Omni? Mm-hmm. Every Omni oh. has the same spa and it starts with an M. I oh, think it's like the red door. Like they have a well, No, let's go to the spa. No, that's. And so, so I saw one of my friends, her husband gave her like a little spa day. It looked great. I mean. The Omni's wonderful. I think they're it great. Looks beautiful I, on the inside. I just—it's hard to freak out over something that's been around in other cities for a while. You know what I mean? Yes. But I'm so thankful it's here. So thankful, and I'm so happy that it brings so much energy down to Cesar
1: Park. That's what—that's why I wondered whether or not it was exceptionally busy now that the hotels open. The Tap House is it
0: called Tap House, right? Oh, the, the social, the bar, the sports bar. The, oh, at the Omni, at not the that Omni. place on the other side. No, no, yeah. no. Oh, Social Capital was passed. Yeah, that place. Um, was but packed. the tap house looked cool too, because you can sit like and just watch people in the park. Oh, that's and fun. I think you I'm can at down Social there. Capital, you can do you that can do too. The same thing. I don't know. I mean, we just like to support local, and I'm so happy the Omni's here. It's going to bring people here and all that oh, stuff. It's just I'm not freaking out to go to Bob's because we've gone to Bob's. Yeah. I and I think your steak in Dallas probably tastes the same as your steak in Oklahoma City. Probably does. You know? Is I that fair? You. I think that's fair. I mean, I'm happy it's here, right? Yes. But you know what I'm
1: really excited about? What? I mean, I'm kind of biased, but the Ellison. Oh yeah. It's opening up right near Nicholas. Plaza. I mean, Plaza. how cool Obviously, that yeah, we that's... have
0: Bradford, Omni, and Ellison, Ellison all happening. And then we already had the Ambassador, the mm-hmm. Cole Cord.
1: The twenty-one C,
0: twenty-one C. How can we forget twenty-one C? The scurven
1: I mean, let me tell you. Growing up, the only place you could spend the night was the Waterford, which yeah. also was so great. But like, the, yeah. now we have ten more hotels, the A Loft, that you wouldn't be embarrassed to send your friends to. I mean, how great is that? I really do miss Mary I haven't been there in way too long. I, I've only been there to eat maybe once. Really? We've well, that's there. part of my pit. I'm. I'm gonna just. Roll okay. Right let's. Into, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. What's your pit?
1: Okay, Amy said I never have any pits, but here's my pit. Which okay. Plan? I'm just going to yeah, throw yeah. it out there. I like to go places and do things. I love to go to new restaurants. I love to have something to do on Friday night. And obviously we've been having a pandemic and I haven't done quite as many things, but I feel like my family has settled into this like stay at home. Literally we do nothing. Yeah. I mean every Friday night is laundry and I don't eat, I'm past the takeout now. I just make a cheese plate. I mean I'm I mean so I I'm kind of over it. I want to, we live in this amazing city with so many fun things to do. There's a new restaurant opening every weekend. I feel like I want to go out and experience those things. And you know what? If my family don't want to go with me, too bad for them. I'll go with you. Will you go with me? Yeah, I'm will. I'm going to get out and see the world. So that was my, my pit is that I've had enough. Yeah, you're done. Of sitting at home.
0: I mean, the weather is starting to become beautiful. The weather is so beautiful. Yeah, you have to, yeah. I think, I, I mean... I think I've been, like, naively hopeful during this whole pandemic about things. That's, <laughs> so, you know what? I think that's a good place to be, though. I, 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 I think know, that's better but, than
1: being overly pessimistic and yeah. doom and gloom. I, just, I, I just, mean,
0: that's not good for the psyche. I think I've been a little bit more hopeful and I've gotten a little let down on, like, things opening up or when, you know, just the whole situation. I've been – I have not called it right once. That's okay. But – and I'm probably going to call it Ron again, but I'm just saying, I think, it, I'm I feel like summer, I think. Yeah. Think? There's yeah. like a vibrancy that's happening again. And yeah. honestly, being at Cisartell Park on Friday or Saturday, you might have not known there was a pandemic right. other than people wearing masks. Right. You know what I'm saying? Exactly.
1: Well, and, uh, we we went yesterday afternoon. So my my pit, I, I turned my pit into a peak and two weeks ago, I said to my kids and Jim, I was like, we're going to Chicken and Pickle. OK. Oh, yeah. Has anyone been to Chicken and Pickle? We went on Friday. You did? OK. Yeah. All, my, all my friends were talking about it. Of course, I was the only one who hadn't been. And so I, two weeks ago, I made a reservation for this Sunday. Now, I didn't know it was going to be nice outside. So we had the indoor court. But the fight that ensued at my house over getting people to go to Chicken and Pickle oh, was epic. Gosh. Okay, I mean, the fit throwing that we don't want to go, I mean, specifically maybe from... My fourteen-year-old, but I mean, I think I think that Gracie decided she whatever she said she would go, and I think Jim knew that I had been sitting at home for too long, so he sort of agreed, right? So I had already I said to Gracie, "You should have your birthday party at Chicken and Pickle." I'm not doing that, Mom. That's that's no fun. I'm not doing that. So it's so fun. We step out of the car, we walk through like the front gates of it's Chicken so and Pickle, cool. and both of them were like, "Oh my God, Mom, this is amazing!" Gracie's like, "Okay, I'll have my party here. Let's do it." We play I mean, we had a court for an hour and a half. We didn't know how to play, but we figured it out. Everyone had a blast. It was so much fun to see everybody smiling. There were people everywhere. I mean, most of it's it's all really outside. I mean, there's yeah. garage doors that open yeah. everywhere. I mean, the wind is blowing. The food was really delicious. Was I mean, it? I have to say we've been to Top Golf. We got a lot. The food at Top Golf is, is disgusting. It's inedible. Yeah. I hate to say that. It's so bad. But at Chicken and Pickle, they've made the food really good. I had this grilled broccoli. I, have, I took the leftovers home. I've been I, here. I am, Jennifer Leopard. I'm still talking about food. <laughs> the
0: grilled broccoli, chicken, and pickle is amazing. So, we actually went on Friday night. Okay, what did you think? So, that's one of the like on a cleanse. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You could have the grilled to. So, one of Jeff's best friends from college, he lives in Scottsdale, but his sister lives here and she's married, and one of my friends. And so, we met them. We didn't know that there were like They're like pretty competitive pickleball players, which we... Do they have like backpacks with their... No, 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 no. no. They just like they... So during the pandemic, they've been playing a ton. Because their parents bought a net and actually my parents bought a net. So we've been playing pickleball through the pandemic too. So once you get with people who are really good, it is so fun. Like some of the rallies we were doing, you would have thought... I mean, we felt like... You were in the Olympics? I felt like I was Serena Williams for a minute. You know what I mean? Here we are back. Emmy really is competitive. Well, I love it so much because no, so do I. It, I love it. It was so fun. But so the owner was there.
1: Oh, like the owner of
0: the whole chain? Mm-hmm. No, it's not a chain. It is not a chain. But they have one in Kansas City. They have one in Wichita. They have, one, they have like four other locations. Are you sure? 100% positive. Okay, well, he... Maybe it's a chain, but it's not a franchise. Gotcha. I thought it was the owner, though. I thought I he was know. saying that... Well, maybe he has the franchise or maybe he's just licensed no, it's the not. name somehow. It's not franchise, though. He was saying that maybe he owns the whole thing. Maybe. Oh, gosh. I what didn't really, his name. I
1: can't, can't remember. remember. Let's investigate. But there's definitely one in Kansas Well, So um,
0: our friend's older sister, she's she played golf at ASU. And now she's like really into pickleball. She's super athletic and like kind of competitive. But so she met him and she started talking to him about his business and all this stuff. And um I don't know. He just seemed like a really nice guy. I thought he was local, but I guess maybe not. Well, I don't know. Well, that's the other thing I said to my kids. I was like, "Girls, this would be such a fun summer job." Yeah, I mean,
1: everyone that worked there couldn't have been nicer. Right? They were all so helpful. It's a little bit confusing well, he kind of how was to navigate saying but- it.
0: Because I, I guess she asked him why he hadn't franchised. Because she was like, "I want to take this to Scottsdale," and he basically said, "Because they want, they don't want the food to suck like yes. other franchises." Well, I'm must sure own he was talking all, about Top Golf. But yeah, he was basically explaining to her that they want like every, maybe, I guess it has to, he has to own all of them because the way he was talking about it, he was like all of them have to have this look and we want this thing. And he was like, once we franchise, we lose control of this no, or we yeah, lose control right. of that. Like, well, maybe I mean, he was basically saying it's so methodical and yeah, the whole, the attitude and the happiness, oh. like he was saying that's ingrained in their like, their company. Yeah. I don't know. It just made me like that well, place I could, more. I could
1: totally tell. I mean, I was yeah. And the other thing I liked about it is, you know, when you go to Top Golf, only one person is hitting at a time, right? And so you lose that sort of community feel a little yeah. bit. But when you've got four people on the court together, like our whole—there's I mean, only four people in our family. Our whole family was playing at once. There was, yeah. And it, I just. I I liked that part of it that it, and it was I liked it better than bowling. I mean, we yeah. go bowling like one person gets up there and bowls, and then the, it kind of ruins the flow of the conversation because someone's getting up from the group all the time. It was fun. So we
0: went with we had one court and there were seven of us. One person okay, was a so How play. did you just did like so people just rotated time? in gotcha. and out, which was great because then people wanted to have a cocktail. Yeah. Or honestly, we got like pretty intense. So we were, I was like almost sweating. And, and so, you weren't having a cocktail. because No, I plans, wasn't. Right. But it was fun because we kind of rotated in and out. So I was like thinking with my girlfriends, it'd be fun to go. And honestly, for the 12 of us, it would still be OK to only get one quart because you're. Yeah. You know, because not everybody wants to play. The not whole everybody time. wants to play the whole time. But with four. But you could play for the whole time. Well, and I kind of thought it would be a fun place for teenagers to hang out.
1: I honestly. I made that recommendation. I'm sure that. Well, the, yeah, those areas it, with like those uh,
0: the chairs, the anorondi. Yeah, what are and they called? Anorondi. Oh, yeah, those Adirondack. Adirondike mm-hmm. <laughs> chairs. In the middle, were really right. cute. Yeah. When well, did you see? You can play bocce. You can play yes, shuffleboard. Yes, we got that. the girls played bocce. Oh, they did yeah, after dinner. We got oh, the bocce. So fun. So. Okay, see. Yeah. Just okay, and it was sort of close
1: to our house. It wasn't. It took us so close. Seven minutes to get there. Yes.
0: I mean, it's right off the highway, so like I, I think it's convenient for people in downtown or Edmond too. It was fun. So yeah. that that
1: was my peak. Was that two and a half hours with my family out doing something?
0: I really, I really love that. Yeah, that place is cool. I'm excited we have it. I think for the summer it'll be really fun. Yeah, I'm gonna take Neely up there. She's gonna apply for a job. That's a great idea. She doesn't know it yet, but gosh, maybe I'll ask uh, my friend if his sister got that guy's name. I'm I'm pretty sure she got his card because she's like a business. I mean, I would not. She would yes. So maybe we need to have him on the podcast. (gasps) We need to have him on the podcast,
1: (sighs) and we can ask him all the hard questions. Your
0: lips to God's ears, Mm -hmm. right? We're gonna find. We're gonna figure out who he is, and we're having him on. Having him on. Okay.
1: Well, I know that we are pretty excited about our next guest. Yeah, this was a fun one. We're like on a roll with the doctors and the scientists here. I mean,
0: I think we just like to learn uh, something yeah, new. Yeah, learn something and, new. And earthquakes, seismology. Earthquakes, oh,
1: my God, you guys. I know that everybody that lives here knows we've had way more earthquakes in the past 10 years than we ever had growing up. But our next guest is Jake Walter. He's the state seismologist of the Oklahoma Geological Survey at the University of Oklahoma. He holds an undergraduate degree in geology from the University of Colorado at Boulder and a PhD in earth sciences from the University of California, Santa Cruz. Jake is uniquely qualified to lead Oklahoma in its understanding of the increased earthquake activity over the past 10 years through his research, fundraising, outreach, and connections. Jake didn't grow up here, but his wife is an Oklahoman, and luckily she gave him the little nudge he needed to accept the position he has today. Welcome Jake to Action City.
0: Catherine, I feel like one of the things we definitely have in common is that if we can't do something perfectly ourselves, then we find somebody who can. And I think one of the biggest parts of working smarter, not harder, is finding amazing people who can help you. You know I also love supporting a local business, and LifeScar combines all of those for me. I've known the owner, Valerie, for years, and she really has created a one-stop shop for OKC when it comes to getting assistance, LifeSquire offers a range of services from personal assistance, grocery shopping and organizing, to recruiting and hiring for your business. But what I really love is that if you they don't already have an expert for you, they will find one. It also is so convenient that they have their own app for booking and scheduling. But also say you forget your kid's lunch at school, they have an SOS function for emergency situations and one click of the SOS button will will solve your problem immediately. They work within your budget and needs and offer hourly packages. So if you only need somebody two hours a week or 20 hours a week, it doesn't matter, they have you covered. Um, for small business owners, if you want are wanting to hire an executive assistant, life. Oh my gosh. For small business owners, if you're wanting to hire an executive assistant, LifeScar will vet, recruit, and train that person for you. I think if you're wanting to free up some time in your schedule and support an amazing local business, hiring LifeSquire is the best thing you can do. If you want to get more information, go to their website. It's LifeSquire.com. That's L-I-F-E-S-Q-U-I-R-E.com. Also, have I mentioned that they were written in the Wall Street Journal and Forbes? Kind of a big deal. I think if you want to stress a little less and get an extra pair of hands, they are the way to go. You can also call them at 405-889-4430 or email them info at lifesquire.com. Anyway, I don't have enough great things to say about Valerie and the whole team at Life Squire. Please give them a call. Thank you so much for being a sponsor. Now back to the podcast.
1: We're here with Jake Walter Oklahoma's state seismologist for the Oklahoma Geological Survey. We're so excited. This is my first time interviewing like a real PhD scientist, hardcore, and I think Emmy too, right? I mean, yes. I, so we're really looking forward to this think, interview.
0: Welcome, I, Jake. Yeah, welcome.
2: <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. I'm I'm excited to sort of join the ranks of, of all these uh, wonderful people you've interviewed already.
0: Well, we're so excited. We've never... I mean, seismology is such an interesting topic, especially for Oklahomans, because growing up, I don't remember having earthquakes. And then now, I don't know how many years. I mean, I'm sure that they were around in Oklahoma for a long time, but they've definitely been more frequent recently. Is that fair to say?
2: Definitely. The, the last decade in, in Oklahoma, sort of what's transpired is somewhat unprecedented in, in human history, really. So, so obviously, as a, as a Practicing earthquake seismologist, it's kept me incredibly busy, and you know we'll, we'll continue to do so for the rest of my career.
1: Well, I definitely think. I mean, the first time I was ever experienced an earthquake was not in Oklahoma. It was in San Francisco when I was probably twenty-two or twenty-three years old. So, I mean, I'd never even been in an, maybe one time growing up actually in LA, but then ne- I never experienced an earthquake in Oklahoma growing up.
0: Yeah, my first and earthquake was in LA too.
1: Yeah. And I can remember you have to, you know, I think I was at work. The first one I really remember I was at work in San Francisco and you, everything started shaking and you like jump under your desk. And I think that was the earthquakes in Oklahoma. Maybe one time I've done that jumped under the door jam or something. Definitely with my kids for sure. Okay. Well, so we're so excited. Let's get started at the beginning. Then we're going to get to all the exciting earthquakes. <laughs> I know we questions. just want to
0: talk about the earthquakes, but we do want to, we want to hear about your journey to being the state seismologist. Cause that sounds like a pretty a hefty load. <laughs> but so what was your journey like getting to Oklahoma?
2: Yeah. So, so we moved up um, from Austin to Oklahoma in order to, for me to take this job. Uh, and I was, at the time I was a, a research scientist at UT Austin. And obviously, you know, I knew that Oklahoma had its challenges um, in sort of trying to understand the seismicity and, and running the state network but it was an an opportunity that I, you know, simply just couldn't pass up. You know, at the time we were also uh, pregnant with our first child and and my wife has actually grew up in Oklahoma City. So it seemed like, you know, the sort of confluence of professional opportunities and personally a good move. And and so, so we've, you know, been, been busy growing our family and and raising our family in Oklahoma City and uh, for the last, uh, you know, four and a half years now.
0: So are you from Texas?
2: No, so I, I grew up, I grew up in the suburbs of Colorado, um, uh, sub- suburbs, excuse me, not of Colorado, but of Denver. And <laughs> I went to, I went to school at, at CU Boulder, uh, where I studied geology. Um, after, after graduating from CU Boulder, I worked as a, as an environmental geologist, uh, cleaning up, uh, contaminated groundwater sites all over the country, uh, out of, a an, an office in in Laramie, Wyoming, and nice. then basically the the sort of pull of of uh, adventure and excitement brought me back to graduate school. So I I then went and did a PhD at at UC Santa Cruz uh, for five years. After that, I lived in Atlanta for a couple of years as a postdoctoral scholar, is what it's called, where you're just kind of con- you know doing research, tr- trying to write more papers. You might write some some proposals that you hope might get funded for for big experiments, and then I was, uh, and then I I got a sort of permanent job at at UT Austin as a research scientist. But but then uh, at, after you know basically two and a half years, then had this opportunity to move um, to Oklahoma, and so so I've been been around the country uh, and landed here mo- most recently.
1: Well, okay, when you were. When you were a little boy, did you love rocks? Were you interested in the envi- I mean in the outdoors and the environment? I mean, what was your goal when you first decided to major in geology? Were you like, oh my gosh, I, I know I wanna look at the earth all day? I mean, what was the
2: Yeah, that's, well, that's an interesting question. I don't I don't really recollect too much about, you know, a childhood fascination with rocks. I think, you know, my my dad says that I I would collect rocks and I, I like to sort of you know, pick up different types of rocks and that kind of thing, and I think I think growing up in Colorado definitely had some, probably some formative uh, subconscious experience, wherein you know we would you know go skiing you know up in the mountains or or go hiking. Just the sort of accessibility to the outdoors is something that you just sort of when you when you grow up in it, you sort of take that for granted. So I'm sure that that had some sort of you know impact on on my future career, whether I knew it or not. But really, um, I arrived at Sea Boulder actually thinking I wanted to be an engineer, but uh, quickly realized that, you know, I didn't really uh, want to be indoors all the time for work. And so, you know, I I quickly latched on to sort of geology as a potential career. And now I spend a heck of a lot of time indoors anyway. (laughs) When you're you're young and impressionable, you think you think that that's, you know, you can you can make a career of, of being outside all the time, but. Doesn't quite always work that that way.
0: I was going to say my husband's an engineer and he's in the field constantly, so that that's makes great, me laugh because he's yeah. But that's so funny because actually my brother was a geology grad student at UT and he would have graduated I don't know five years ago, four years ago. But that's so interesting. There's so many parallels. I feel like to know a geologist, it's like we would be on hikes in Wyoming and Reed would make us, you know look at all the different rocks and he'd tell us about all the different formations and stuff like that. So did you um, punish your family as well?
2: <laughs> yeah, a little bit. My, my wife gets a little bit annoyed sometimes, but, but I think, you know, what, what's fascinating about geology is, you know, there's a, there's always a story to tell. And that's actually, you know, one thing that I love about, you know, living in Oklahoma city too, is that, you know, sort of the, the recency of the, the establishment of, of Oklahoma city I mean, my father-in-law can can you know has stories about his grandfather, you know, coming here on on one of the land runs, which is kind of incredible. There's very few places like that in the United States where where literally the city is you know started from essentially nothing, and that and it only happened you know a couple generations back. So I love I love sort of the the sort of local history and local you know tales that can get get told about local history. But also, you know, when you think about Earth time going back billions of years, I mean, there's always there's always more to learn and more to sort of uncover. So I think I think that sort of, you know, that natural curiosity obviously sort of led me to a career in science for sure.
0: That makes so much sense. Well,
1: so when you were in you were in graduate school, I mean, in getting your Ph.D. in Santa Cruz, what is it? I have a friend who is thinking about going to get a PhD, and we were talking about the, the just the undertaking of five years of your life of studying and researching and teaching. When you were getting your PhD, were you thinking, "Why am I doing this?" or were you excited every day to <laughs> that you picked that program?
2: Yeah, de- definitely. Like like everything, it's it's it can be a slog. So. So in the in the physical sciences, what's what's nice is most um, PhD programs uh, you're accepted as a student, and as part of that, you know that deal, you're usually working on a on a project that the your supervisor has gotten funded via external National Science Foundation, Department of Energy kind of funding, and so your your tuition is paid for. You usually have health insurance, and you have a small stipend. Now the the stipend can be quite small, especially for trying to find a place to live in in coastal California.
1: In Santa Cruz, so,
2: yeah. So, so you're basically right. you're basically subsisting, um, and then you, you see all your friends who are you know buying houses, starting families. You know they're they're getting they're getting a head start on life. It feels like so so sometimes definitely when you're when you're in in the trenches, it definitely is you know there's there's thoughts like why am I doing this. Do I really like this am am I do I want to do this the rest of my life you know because because there's a lot of sort of you know you can spend you know several months of your life working on a project that in the end uh you know doesn't work out so so you can have an idea you know you, you formulate a hypothesis you test that hypothesis and then then you realize okay well actually you need to to rerun that experiment or or try a different methodology because you know that what you thought was going to happen didn't transpire exactly. Now that, that doesn't mean it's wasted. Obviously that, that that's part of the scientific method and part of that process, but it can be somewhat frustrating for sure.
0: So what made you choose seismology when you were studying geology? Like what was kind of the defining factor there?
2: Yeah, that, that, well, that's a good question. Um, I, think, I think seismology, I, I was always fascinated by earthquakes. And I thought that, you know, earthquakes... Because everybody has has a an earthquake story, right?
0: Yeah. Earthquakes that's true. <laughs> are
2: incredibly psychologically um you know scary things. They can come up about suddenly. You don't know when you're in it how big that earthquake is gonna grow. And and we don't know exactly where the highest seismic hazard is at any particular moment, right? So we can't we don't have the ability to predict earthquakes or or really forecast them better than Okay, well, I know some earthquakes occurred over here uh, along this, this, this lineament that looks like a fault, and there's probably going to be earthquakes in the future along that fault, right? So, so we're not very advanced in our ability to sort of forecast earthquake behaviors, and I just thought it was a, an incredibly challenging problem that was also somewhat exciting and somewhat exhilarating. At the same time, it has you know, a very strong impact on, on people and how people... Sort of understand science or, or understand geology.
0: I love that. So when you got the call that you would be coming to Oklahoma City, had in your wife is from here. But kind of, what was your understanding of you know what would it be like living here? Were you excited? Was were you ready to leave Austin, or were you bummed? Like, how did that go?
2: Yeah, I, I think it was definitely a, a hard decision that that you know Oklahoma City barely tipped the scales in 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 that direction, you know, for, for the reasons like, you know, we were expecting, you know, to start a family. Um, We were thinking about affordability. Uh, I was thinking about a nightmare of sitting in Austin traffic with a (laughs) baby. so, So like, you know, Oklahoma city has a lot of things going for it in sort of ease of, you know, having a young family. And, and we were, so we were excited about that. However, you know, it's kind of a funny story. Actually, my first experience with Oklahoma City was when my wife and I were dating, we, we came back uh, for a wedding and, you know, it was a great time. Obviously, you're, you're here for something fun. I got to see some of the sites around Oklahoma City and very much a tourist. And this was, you know, way before there was any kind of job prospect. And I, I distinctly remember pulling pulling out of, you know, we had stayed at our parents' house, pulling away and... Asking me, oh, what'd you think about Oklahoma City? I was like, oh yeah, I mean, it was wonderful. It was great, great to visit, but there's no way in hell I could ever live there. (laughs) But but here I eat
1: your words, Jay. Yeah, here you are.
2: No, and 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 we love it. I, you know, I I find myself in, you know, when I when I serve on, example, I'm serving on a search committee for, you know, a faculty member in another department as the external member, and. I'm having, you know, I'm, I'm the one sort of being vocalizing, you know, and trying to sell Oklahoma City to all these people just because of all the things I said, the affordability. I mean, it's got a lot going for it. There's a, There was a burgeoning music scene before, uh, which goes back, you know, decades, obviously. But but I, I was really enjoying some of that, the live music right before the pandemic sort of ruined everything, everybody's lives. But, you know, there, there's there's a lot of amazing opportunities here in this city.
0: That's so interesting. I feel like a lot of our guests have that in common—that they're big cheerleaders for why people should move here. And we joked with our last guest that he should use the podcast as a way to get people <laughs> excited.
1: Yes, he's—he is in charge of bringing people to the Jimmy Everest Cancer Center, and we were, you know, bringing doctors. And we were like, "You should have them listen to our podcast because we love to talk about how great the city is." <laughs> I think that's why we started it. Well, so what was the interview process like? I mean, did you search out, seek out this job? Did we have a state seismologist before you took the job? Was it a job created for you because we have so many earth, more earthquakes now than we did before?
2: Yeah. So, so that's, there was a, there, there were a couple of state seismologists um, in place before I got here. And actually the, you know, earthquakes have, have occurred in Oklahoma at least for, you know, as long as we have written record of, uh, you know, early settlers experiencing earthquakes so so that's that 's one thing you, and we 'll get into sort of you know maybe sort of some of the scientific consens- consensus for why we 've had more frequent earthquakes more recently, but the Oklahoma Geological Survey has been studying earthquakes in Oklahoma for at least the last fifty years now the The position of state seismologist didn 't exist until a fellow by the name of Austin Holland um, had that role. You know, in early 2009, 2010, when we started experiencing a lot more frequent seismicity, there was a need for the um, seismic network to, to more directly inform some of the activities and, and measures that the regulatory agency was, was undertaking, and to provide more up-to-date, timely information to the public about you know, all these frequent earthquakes that were popping off everywhere. Um, and then, so he left, he subsequently left. Um, and then there were a couple of interim, uh, people filling that role. And then, so it was essentially, there was an interim state seismologist. And then I, I took over that role, you know, as sort of, you know, for the last now four and a half years. And, you know, the interview process was, was actually, um, kind of funny because, my mother-in-law was the the one who found the the job advertisement and strongly encouraged me to apply. So I thought she probably oh, spent
1: know. day after day after day finding a job. I bet she made yeah, it she her
0: had job. Like a, yeah, she finds you a job or, here for sure. I'm
2: sure, <laughs> she was uh you know looking you know just combing through the OU uh, job ads or whatever <laughs> to get get us up up here. But but anyway, so interview process was a normal process. Um, Got to see the the sights of Norman and and really think about living here. Obviously, we we knew that you know we were going to sacrifice the sort of pain of a thirty minute you know commute every day so that you know my family could live in Oklahoma City and I just commute down to Norman sort of as needed. Obviously, in the pandemic, we've been you know spending a year or more um, you know going you know just remotely working for the most part. Although I do come into the office several times a week.
0: Why is it under the OU umbrella, the state seismologist? Because in my mind, it would make sense for it to maybe be like a part of the government. I don't know if that's like... No, I wanted the exact same yeah. thing. Yeah, and so why is it under the OU umbrella? And then, um, sort of tell me like what your responsibilities are and kind of what you're, um, yeah, what you're responsible for.
2: Yeah, so that's a, that's an excellent question, I and mean, I, I don't really know the answer other than I know that. Um, we 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 are a sort of non academic unit of of the university. At the same time, we're also a a state agency, and oh, so that, okay. you know wearing both hats you know obviously benefits you sometimes and and doesn't you know in other times.
1: <laughs> so you report sort of to two different entities to the University of Oklahoma and to the State Geological Survey, I guess.
2: Yeah, you know, yeah. Geological so is- we, we report we report directly to you know we're, we fall under the umbrella of. One of the you know government's uh, or sort of governor's uh, cabinet members um, is you know all intents and purposes sort of in charge with some of the administration but the the university actually administers the the Oklahoma Geological Survey and we were actually created around the time of statehood and I think that we were always envisioned as um, not just a sort of you know public facing entity but also in heavily engaged in research so part of my Part of my responsibilities are still to sort of bring bring external you know federal funding in to support some of the research program that we do at the same time we have the timely reporting of earthquakes and we provide some some technical guidance to the o- Oklahoma Corporation Commission when they request our our input on different you know technical needs they might have
1: what does your day look like every day you get to the office how do you spend your time
2: yeah so we we Usually every morning, we've been sort of coordinating with our uh, with my team. Uh, most mornings, especially since we're all working remotely, it's checking in, thinking about maintenance um, priorities. So we we operate a a ninety station network across the state. So I, my uh, my field technician Isaac Wolfel is racking up miles endlessly, driving all over the state in order to to fix any maintenance issues that, that crop up. So our only our one of are, him? excuse me,
0: there's only one of him who's doing all the maintenance.
2: Yeah. Well, there's, there's only one of them. Um, and then we chip in when, when we have other issues that, that creep up. Wow. So, so, you- so for example, I'll go in the field sometimes or some of our analysts will, will trade some of these roles, but Isaac is, you know, always, always in the field and always, always ready to go. So you get a report um,
1: every morning of all the earthquakes that happened the day. I mean, I'm sure it's all real time, but you're sort of analyzing what happened the day before, making sure everything works.
2: Yeah. So so that's and that's the thing is we we actually do the reporting. So so the way that we do that is our 90 stations around the, the state and in, in adjacent states are basically recording the ground motion um, and they're measuring it 100 times a second or at 100 hertz sort of sampling frequency that that information is beamed via cell phone modem immediately to norman and we have we have several servers that are ingesting the data and then our, we have detectors that are sort of trying to pick and uh, pick up earthquakes as they're occurring and the way they do that is it pretty you know it's it's obviously a longer explanation but it's basically they're looking for spikes in the data that are that are concentrated with respect to time so when an earthquake occurs, it it's sort of you can imagine you throw a a rock into a pond, right? You see the, the ripples spreading out from from that where you threw the rock in the pond and and obviously those those ripples are moving at a sort of you know physically constrained, you know uniform velocity, right? Well, the same thing happens in earth in the earth. When an earthquake occurs, it's like those it starts generating those ripples and by by knowing the sort of velocity of the rocks. We can and the time that it arrives at any of those stations we can then actually back calculate the location we can do fa- fancier things we can figure out where it is with respect to depth we can we can look at the waveforms and figure out if the if the, the fault slipped um, in what's called a strike-slip fault so like two, two faults that are flat that are sliding across one another or if a, if a fault is if the rocks are sitting flat and then one rock goes up, relative to another rock, we can determine the sort of faulting motion based on the the recordings that we're ingesting. So it's, it's all sort of the part of this, you know, the subsidiary science that we do later. But obviously, the public is very interested in that real-time information.
0: Is there a, a system in place? I know, obviously, with a tornado, we know it's coming. And I don't mean to even compare the two because I know they're completely different. But what could there ever be a warning system or like, you know, I like I, the text that you get that says an amber alert or something like that? I mean, obviously, you know, when you're in an earthquake, but to maybe just say if you haven't felt it yet or I don't know, is there is there a warning system?
2: Yeah. So so in um, in California, so so countries like Mexico um, and Japan have what's known as earthquake early warning. Oh, Which wow. means that so if, if an earthquake occurs offshore or in a remote location, um, you have, you know, it, it takes, you know, tens of seconds for those damaging waves to travel to where you're sitting right at home. And so so what's what's being ro- what's already in place in, in Japan and Mexico is this earthquake early warning system. So you might have like 10 seconds to know, whoops, I need to you know get underneath the desk. Or something like that, or I need to, I need to, you know, get my kid and get underneath the table. So you might have tens of seconds of warning in order to sort of, you know, make some some very quick, you know, alteration to to what you're doing. Um, and whereas, and then that that system, that earthquake early warning, is actually being rolled out in in California and Oregon and Washington State. We hope that that we we eventually will have uh improved instrumentation to actually maybe implement earthquake early warning in Oklahoma but that's that's going to be several years down the road from now just because you need a a very large build out of of equipment and instrumentation because that that all relies on very rapid identification of how large that earthquake is going to be and that requires you know even more dense uh stations uh than we have currently in Oklahoma
1: have they found that the 10 seconds really matters, that the yeah, so, so investment actually, in the system actually produces better outcomes than if you don't have a warning?
2: Well, this is probably a good segue to to tell you what you should do in an earthquake. So, yes, so, yeah. <laughs> You want to know. <laughs> Safety moment. So, and it's actually interesting because there are, uh, you know, I know Edmond Public Schools and other public school districts around the state actually, you know, conduct earthquake drills. So, what you do in the event of an earthquake and you feel shaking is you should get underneath a table, underneath a bed, or underneath furniture if you can. If you can't, you know, even just like you know, crouching next to a table or something is going to be a lot safer than just you know standing up and and sort of looking around and being shocked. You should never run outside of a building because a lot of you know injuries um, and casualties from from earthquakes actually. Occur because you know things like brick facades or other things like right on the outside of buildings can fall down and, and fall on top of people and oh, wow. unfortunately lead to sort of injuries or death. So, so you never run, the, you never run out of a building,
0: but not the doorway.
2: Yeah. So so that's the. If, if your if it's your last resort. Doorway. It's okay, probably. You know, because that can also be in some structures that can be the most stable area. But you know. We like to sort of advise that you, you try to go to, you know, get underneath furniture or something sturdy like that, if if it's possible. Obviously, if you're out of doors, you want to avoid trees and, and not rush into a building. And you can also, it's also a good rule of thumb, if, if there is significant shaking, it's it's good to wait a little bit and you know, think about, you know, where, you know, there might be broken glass or or these kinds of things. Because obviously, you know, if plates are falling and things are falling off the walls. You, you can obviously cut your, cut your feet or, you know, get other kinds of injuries. So, so you can imagine that, you know, if you had earthquake or early warning and you had, you know, an extra five seconds or an extra 10 seconds to, to think about that or or yell at your kids to, to do the same, you know, you might, that actually might be effective at, at preventing an injury.
0: So basically in an earthquake, you just want to protect yourself from things falling on top of you. Yeah interesting
1: have we had has anyone in oklahoma actually died from an earthquake we haven't had any casualties in in that i can remember but maybe i'm
2: yeah there's there's no there's no fatalities from any oklahoma earthquake i think you know the the, the stressful part of the job is that you know we are reaching when we when we get up into these magnitude 5.7 and 5.8 earthquakes we are reaching to the point where you know you you potentially can have injuries or fatalities from those earthquakes. Uh, anecdotally, there was, you know, the Prague earthquake. There was, there was somebody who was almost seriously injured, um, and you can look on online, you know, for pictures of damage from that particular earthquake. You know, there's the Cushing earthquake, magnitude 5.0, which occurred, you know, just a few days after I arrived at oh, OGS <laughs> to begin work. Um, you know there there was uh, there was a building that an unreinforced masonry structure from you know old cushing downtown that would had been compromised in the earthquake and you know there was a, a group some sort of you know school trip or something like that looking at that that particular damage to that structure and then you know they had moved on and the next day the building had fallen over right where that school group had been. So oh so you gosh. can imagine that you know these sort of compromised structures are you know are 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 pretty dangerous. Um so, yeah, it's, it's a little bit concerning, you know, some of the, some of the larger magnitude earthquakes and, and thinking about, you know, how, how people are impacted, not just via damage, but, you know, people are going to get hurt from some of these larger events.
1: Does, does your job entail teaching at all? I mean, are you, do we have within the geology department at OU a seismology focus? And are you, do you work on that at all?
2: Yeah. So I, I've taught, um, so I've taught seismology in the past. Um, although it's not a, a regular, uh, sort of, you know, part of my duties, there is a, there is an, a seismologist, Xiaowei Chen, and she is a, an associate professor, uh, with a, with a focus on, on seismology. And she, we've collaborated on different Oklahoma earthquake studies and, and she has projects also in, in California, for example. So, so there, there is a, a sort of, you know, somewhat small nexus of i think seismologists who are are working on on the problem in Oklahoma but what's fascinating about what's what's sort of transpired here is it's it's of nat- national and international interest so there are people all over the world who are looking to Oklahoma to try and understand how you know the earthquakes were were induced here over the last decade and how we might prevent those similar type of thing happening in other places, because, you know, humans have been, you know, pulling things out of the ground and putting things in the ground, um, at, you know, at sort of smaller scales, you know, for, for hundreds of years. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's envisioned that in a future where we actually have to remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, that we'll have to sort of approach, you know, the volumes of of liquids that need to be put back into the subsurface. So so you'd hope that, you know, if, if anything good comes from what transpired in Oklahoma, it's that we've sort of learned better best practices from a from a science, scientific and sort of engineering perspective to prevent these kinds of, you know, larger damaging earthquakes in the future.
0: Can you expand on that? Just the reasons why we've had more earthquakes and you know, from what you've gathered or the last four and a half years being in your position, kind of what you can speak to.
2: Yeah, and I'll just, you know, quick disclaimer here. These are these are my scientific opinions and don't reflect any official OGS or OU opinion on the matter or any kind of policy, OGS or OU policy. Oklahoma. All right. So you go back go back ten years and and imagine a time when when fracking was Obviously, fracking has been around for 50 years, but it was only in the most recent sort of shale gas and oil boom, sort of led by some of the local Oklahoma companies um, that were expanding their drilling efforts into sort of north central Oklahoma, that we really had, you know, th- this issue crop up in a very real manner. And what's interesting about sort of the, the sort of particular rocks that they were going after, and this is going back, you know, in sort of know 10, 11, 12, 13, the, the rocks that they were going after in North Central Oklahoma are shale rocks. And for those that are not geologists, shale is a very non-permeable rock. So when, when we think about oil and gas, you think about uh, the sort of classic image is you're, you're drilling the vertical well down, you hit a, a sort of overpressurized pocket and the, the, the oil just flows out of the ground, right You get a gusher. It's partly because the you know the the pressure of of all the sort of strata that's on top of that that particular pocket, but also that 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 oil and gas has has collected in that that dome or that that um, that area that you've drilled into because the 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 oil and gas is able to flow pretty well through the, those layers. So in that case, it, it'd be a higher permeability than shale. Shale is not a very good permeable rock. It doesn't. Oil and gas can't migrate. It doesn't flow very well. But a way that we can alter the permeability is by fracking that well. So, so imagine now you're, you know, that the shale, um, these rocks that were created sort of at the bottom of the shallow seas, they have a lot of hydrocarbons locked up in them. Um, and so in order to increase the permeability, you just drill horizontally along that, that shale layer, and then you can frack that. And you, you, when you, you're fracking that, that, that rock... You're you're pumping water at very high pressure and you include sometimes, you know, little sand particles or something like that because you want those those cracks in the rock to open and you want to keep those those cracks open. So so then the sand gets jammed in there and all of a sudden you have a more permeable rock. Now you can you can then pump from that that well and you're you're able to extract, you know, hydrocarbons from that that horizontal production well that you've fracked. Now. The problem in north central Oklahoma, as I, I just sort of alluded to it, is like you're talking about formation of of these rocks in sort of shallow seaways. Right. So so obviously there's there's not just hydrocarbons in there from all the life matter and organic matter that has has fallen and died in there that produces the oil and gas, which is profitable. But there's also a lot of salt water um, or what's termed wastewater. So in that salt water is is. Uh, locked up in those shales, and then when you un- 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 unlock it, you increase the permeability all of a sudden, your production well is producing salt water and it 's producing oil and gas and In some cases, some of these production wells were coming online, and they would you know by volume, they would produce ninety percent salt water now that's that 's okay because you know when when oil is hundred over a hundred dollars a barrel it 's still profitable to produce from that well as long as you can get rid of that salt water cheaply and easily and so what 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 was, you know, obviously, what's been done, you know, for you know, eighty years or so, was you take those those waste fluids, the the wastewater, um, the the produced salt water, and you just pump it deep underground and get rid of it. And so, because of you know the the Oklahoma's you know long history of oil and gas development, um, you have to you actually have to dispose of that in areas where people are not producing from. So, so the 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 place to to dispose of that is deeper than where you're drilling horizontally it's it's the deepest rocks that are sedimentary which is known as the arbuckle uh group of rocks and obviously you've probably driven from here to dallas and you go over the arbuckle mountains well next time you go you know over the arbuckle mountains look to your left or right and you'll see all these like limestones that are pretty pretty chewed up um, just because they've been uplifted in southern oklahoma but in central oklahoma they're down several kilometers below the surface of of the ground level. Okay, so so the Arbuckle unit is a good good place to to store a lot of water because it has a very high permeability. But the problem is is that that people didn't really understand collectively how how much fluids were going to be disposed of on a sort of regional basis when you have all these central Oklahoma, all these Oklahoma uh, oil and gas companies who are all you know all trying to get after this sort of north central oklahoma play oil and gas play you all of a sudden you create this very this huge regional problem of of the the number the the amount of wastewater that needs to be disposed is is incredibly large and what what then science was a little bit late to the game and trying to better understand how that arbuckle disposal was then leading to to earthquakes deeper in the basement so so the arbuckle unit sits above basement rocks and the basement rocks are the much older, um, you know, several, you know, several tens of millions of years old or billions of years old crystalline rocks um, like you would see, you know, in a mountain landscape. But that exists below the Arbuckle. And a lot of the earth, earthquakes are actually occurring within the basement rocks. So that, that Arbuckle disposed water is is somehow creating this this reactivation of basement faults um, which has produced, you know, some of the largest earthquakes in uh, the historical record.
1: Are are earthquakes happening more often in other places where there is fracking going on? So, West Virginia, North Dakota, West Texas—is it happening in all fracking circumstances?
2: Yeah. So, so there are there's an there's a recent uptick in in uh, West Texas for induced earthquakes, I I studied. So part of the reason I came to Oklahoma was when I arrived at UT Austin, I had projects looking at earthquakes around the world in different, various different sites. But then I started sort of focusing in on sort of North Dakota and uh, East Texas earthquakes. So in in East Texas, we associated some um, uh, magnitude 4.8 with with a uh, wastewater disposal well nearby. And you know, in, in West Texas, that the story was sort of growing there. They they weren't quite disposing of the wastewater in the same amounts in West Texas at the time I was there. But that since has increased as there's been you know increased development in West Texas. But Eastern Ohio and, and West Virginia certainly have also had earthquakes associated with with wastewater disposal and with hydraulic fracturing. So so when we when we when we look from a sort of agency that is has its eye on what's going on as far as the pulse of, of where the earthquakes are occurring day to day. We actually do sometimes detect earthquakes associated with hydraulic fracturing. But, but we, we and also, you know, the scientific community has, has linked most of the, the larger events uh, to the wastewater disposal practice, that, that practice of disposing deeper underground than where you're so fracking. Not
1: the fracking, but the more the disposing
2: yeah we, say, we we say that the the fracking is is part of that ecosystem because those those rocks those shales would not be you know you wouldn't be able to produce oil and gas from them without the technology of hydraulic fracturing um, but you know the it's the wastewater disposal that has has been that the scientific community has linked to uh, the larger events in oklahoma
1: has it been hard for the oil and gas community to hear this? information?
2: Well, so I think, I think anecdotally, you know, it was, uh, my predecessor, I think had to, you know, experience some naysayers and some doubts and, you know, questioning of, uh, what was going on because there, you know, at the time the, the scientific process takes, you know, several years to unfold. You, you go, you study a, a problem, you write a paper about it. That paper needs to get reviewed by your peers, um, before it's published, and you know, and even when it's published, it's not like it's not like we accept you know as as fact all the papers that have come before. obviously, you know when you're conducting science you're you're always a skeptic but but it took several years for this to unfold, and and at the time there was there was a sort of public information um, issue in that yeah there there was the link wasn't as exactly clear. When he was going around the state and, and trying to do the science and trying to get the message out, but you know because he fought that battle, um, I think that there's a there's a broad sort of acceptance as of this is the reality. Now the, the you know our our role in in that process though is is we provide the information and we we conduct studies um, looking at and looking into induced seismicity, but it's really up to the the regulator, the Oklahoma Corporation Commission. In this case, to to take any action uh, in any of these matters, gotcha. because they're you know they're the elected body, and, and we're just we're just sort of providing the sort of technical you know support to that that agency, and also you know conducting our own studies into the issue.
0: That's so interesting. So, kind of one of our final questions, which sort of leads leads my other question, is you know we always talk about the difference. Oklahoma in the last 10 years which is so interesting because you're saying that kind of time frame with earthquakes as well um, we've talked about how Oklahoma City has changed how all these things are changing but so for the next 10 years kind of what do you see for the future of Oklahoma especially in seismology and kind of what do you see going forward
2: yeah that, that, well that's a good question uh, you know one of the things is is where we're we're always trying to improve our um, deliverables in the sense of like, you know, making sure that we're spending taxpayer money appropriately and also expanding, you know, uh, taxpayers bang for their buck, for example. And so we've we, we started to, to sort of investigate machine learning methods. And we, we wrote some open source software to that, you know, helps our network detect more earthquakes, more like double the amount of earthquakes than we were able to, in years previous with the same kind of network footprint. We'd like to raise money to expand our, our sort of monitoring uh, footprint and get towards the density of stations that would you know, be required in order to sort of roll out earthquake early warning, um, which is something that we definitely want to pursue. Uh, we started laying groundwork for studying uh, carbon capture and storage on a large scale. Oklahoma has a lot, obviously, it's it's unique history, you know, as a as a strong oil and gas producing state, um, and a lot of the easy oil, you know, has 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 gone away. But what's left is a lot of pore space. So you imagine if if there's a worldwide market for carbon dioxide credits, um, you know, the Oklahoma you know economy could could accept some of those credits for storing carbon dioxide in its subsurface. So you you can imagine that there's all kinds of societal risks. And, and those types of things to really envision a new kind of economy, but I think Oklahoma should have a strong, you know, role in that type of economy. But you know, as far as like you know, the sort of granular granular level on, you know, why why I want to remain here and you know, living and 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 working in in Oklahoma City in particular, I'd, li- I'd like to see you know Oklahoma City still sort of realize its vision for being a more sort of pedestrian, bicycle friendly. City, I think that there's there's a lot of sort of opportunity for that to to really expand, and that those are some of the things that you know I love about the city, and hopefully it'll sort of you know get a lot better in that realm. For example, I would, just yesterday I was riding my bike along the that that river there, and that's that's just a beautiful kind of. Although you do see the occasional tire in the river there, it, it <laughs> is kind of an amazing, you know, sort of resource to have. You know, there is there's open space and and those types of things, you just got to work a little bit harder to to find those those kind of moments and those types of experiences in Oklahoma City.
0: Catherine, you ready for final question? Well,
1: okay. I'm. I know that you, God, when You said it's only been four and a half years. You guys, have... you've only been. I feel like you've been here way longer than that. But so, in your time in Oklahoma City, when you haven't been working, because I know you've been do, you've been doing a lot of work. If you have a friend come visit from Austin, let's say, you know, your best friend from Austin comes to Oklahoma city to visit, you pick them up at the airport and you have the whole day to do whatever you want. There's no pandemic. You can have kids or no kids. What do you take them to do? What do you, where are your favorite spots? How do you show off our city?
2: Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, definitely I would take them. Yeah. I think, I think one of the unique things about what, one of the things I sell about Oklahoma city when I'm trying to to lobby for us is the sort of cultural attractions. So I think a city of this size, you know, between, you know, the, the Oklahoma contemporary, the, the art museum downtown, the, uh, cowboy, you know, Western hall of fame. I think, you know, we have an incredible amount of cultural attractions that are just like, you know, it makes you know living in this city great. Obviously, the science museum, uh, you know, with with kids. But I think I think I'd I'd whip them from the airport. Um, maybe actually hit Cafe Contemporary. It's, it's there's a little coffee shop in there uh, at the Contemporary Museum, which is which is pretty new, and they actually do a great dinner. But as well, but after that, uh, maybe it's approaching lunchtime. Obviously, I want to introduce them to onion burgers. So. <laughs> um, uh, tuckers might be the next stop for lunch um after tuckers we we probably choose from you know some of those cultural attractions i, I listed off and you know i even you know we we live in, in heritage hills and and just a stroll through that neighborhood every time it still gets me even though we do it almost every day just you know the the sort of rich you know different architecture and that's that's visible in multiple neighborhoods that are part of you know those these different historical preservation districts. I think it's just kind of a kind of a neat, you know, thing to see. Hopefully there's a it's a it's not a pandemic and there's a show later at the Tower Theater. Um that we could we could check out. And for dinner though, previous to that, I, you know, I'm hoping the Drake comes back. That, oh, that yeah, was a favorite no. of ours. We are too. It's not not clear where they're they're going to be um when the pandemic's over, but you know, maybe goro uh ramen or or something like that for dinner. And that would, that would might, you know, encapsulate a a pretty, pretty dang good day. I would say.
1: That sounds awesome. That sounds like a great day. And, you know, (laughs) uh, we had, my parents took the kids to the Cafe Contemporary the other day and Avery Cannon, I think owns it, who has Slice and Goro, but he's running kind of a a ghost kitchen, I guess, out of there. And you can get, we had takeout curry the other night. It's called Curry Boy. Curry B O I, and you could they'll, they'll deliver it to your house from there, and the curry was delicious. So if you're, and Avery cooks it there from the cafe contemporary.
2: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great spot, and and unfortunately the timing of of all that, the contemporary museum and that and that little cafe, you know, coincided right, you know, this time last year, right?
1: Yeah, you yeah. I, mean,
2: those.
1: I think mean, they those, so. did open March or May. I mean, it was last spring for sure. Yeah.
0: So if somebody wants to kind of learn more about seismology um, or the Oklahoma Geological Society, any of that, where can you direct them?
2: Yeah, so so OGS.OU.EDU is our website. And that hosts, you know, anything you want to know about earthquakes and earthquake information. My my personal website is JakeWalter.net and I'm on Twitter. Uh, I think it's jakewalter Nine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no, no TikTok yet.
1: Well, no TikTok. D- no TikTok yet. Well, I did get on to jakewalter.net last night. And you have a, a link to the earthquake monitoring system that you guys run. And I could see all the earthquakes and which ones had happened in the last 24 hours, last seven days, last 30 days. And I was zooming in to try to see where all the earthquakes are happening. It was kind of fascinating.
2: Yeah and that, that information is also on our OGS page as well the same the same map ogs.ou.edu and you know we also you know one of the things that the pandemic has shut down is our our ability to do outreach in in schools and in different you know senior centers and different communities and so we're we're hoping that you know with widespread vaccinations available that we can get back to doing some of that but in the interim, we, we have been doing Zoom chats with different schools and, and other kinds of you know classroom settings. So so definitely reach out to us if, if you're a teacher and any of that that sounds interesting.
1: Oh I'll yeah, that is really I neat. I did I did see that as well, that you you guys go to schools and talk to kids and try to obviously get them interested in what in studying the earth sciences and in earthquakes. I mean, of course, my my really I have one final question. What do you think about the term of a quake NATO? where there's a tornado and an earthquake all in the same day. I mean, I think we're the only place on earth that has quake NATOs.
2: Yeah. That's, that sounds frightening to me. And, (laughs) and I think, I think there's definitely been, I think there was like a lightning, you know, obviously lightning is usually, you know, coming at the same time as a, as, you know, tornado weather, but there was, there was a period, I think maybe last year or two years ago when there was, you know, lightning crashing, I was getting, you know, my, my little internal updates about an earthquake we had just, you know, detected. And, and there was, a, there was also like a tornado warning or, or oh, watch. No. <laughs> or, you know, I mean, it was just like, yeah.
0: You're thinking, where did oh, I move? Oh, 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 oh. What am I doing here? Yeah. You're like, am I in a sci-fi movie? <laughs> no, what's happening? <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Jake. I so appreciated you coming on here and speaking with us. And I thought this was so fascinating. It's really interesting. And I'm going to have my kids listen to this because
1: they are, they, they love it when, a, when an earthquake happens, which is kind of terrifying. They run downstairs. <laughs> thanks so Mom, much for having me. I know. Thanks so much. I loved seeing you, even if it was just on Zoom.
2: <laughs> it's good to see you, too.
1: Okay. I hope there are no earthquakes today. Yes.
2: Well, th- there have been already. So, obviously. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> no major ones. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, m- like, you know, most of them you can't feel, though, which is, which is good because our, which our is network nice. is good that we're, we're detecting more earthquakes that aren't felt.
1: Yeah. Okay, good. Let's keep it that way. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Have a great day.
2: Uh, Thanks, Jake.
1: Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We truly appreciate your listening to these stories. You can find us on Instagram at ActionCityOKC, or for business inquiries, email us at hello at com. Action City is produced by Black & Studios. You can find the studio on Instagram and Facebook at Black & Studios. Creative services provided by Ranger Creative. Music written and performed by Kansas City Bankroll.